First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, we'll, we'll hit verse 12, then you'll be able to follow along a little easier there. But just so you can start finding this. Um, what, I, what I really love to do, and we've done for several years here, is to take the last message of the year. Because this is, um, I don't know if we turn the page any quicker than when we did at the end of last year. Uh, we're like, 2020, done. Turn it, erase. But 2021's had its, its moments too. Um, and at the end of this, I, I want to take this message just to praise God and to thank him uh, and Christ for what he's done. It's not going to be an exhaustive list. It's, it's not going to be good. But, but I think as we really look forward at the road of the new year that's ahead of us, and then in the rearview mirror, we see 2021 going behind us. It just has always seemed appropriate um, to me, unless the Lord says something else, but he hasn't so far these years. Um, to just take a time to, to thank God for what he's done and to sort of celebrate his accomplishments in and among us. And then what's our response to this? Like, how do we launch into the next year? Because when, uh, well, when we gather back together, you're going to have a chance at like perfect attendance next year to church, right? Because the slate's clean. And then now you're sweating a little because you're like, please don't talk about this past year. You don't understand. Grandma had needs. But... When we look at this and we start thinking, I really want to kind of prepare us for the, for the, for the next series we're about to launch into. But right now, to just take some time and, and really reflect on what God's done and, and how the scriptures uh, encourage us uh, to, to do that. There, there, you're going to see in this scripture um, the value of generating cra- um, praise and credit to God um, more than giving into the criticism and praise of man. This, this isn't going to be a pat ourselves on the back message. I have no interest in doing that at all. But it is, I think, important for us to pause and say, this is what God's done in, through us, around, and among us, and to praise it for it. And that's exactly where um, the Thessalonians um, find themselves. So let's just dive in right here uh, to the one thing, to the one thing. Uh, This will come out in scriptures. You're going to see it. Follow Jesus in a manner that brings God praise and credit. To live so close and so in tune, and you know what else that means? So outwardly Christian for Jesus that it brings God praise and credit. And we see throughout all scriptures that even people who hate Jesus in one minute can praise him the next because of a faithful servant who is living for him in their work, in their home, uh, or everywhere they recharge, or even in their worship uh, place. I mean, people get saved in all kinds of um, avenues, in all kinds of places in the world. But the one thing that's going to come out of this when it comes to how do we thank God for what he's done this year, um, we follow Jesus in a manner that brings God praise and credit. That's what he wants. I mean, just read the Gospels, and he's always trying to get those guys and gals, like, in line and thinking the right way. But even the Pharisees and all the people he runs to, the Romans even, just trying to get them to follow and bring him credit. And here's, here's part of why that's so important. Some of the result of faithfully following Jesus so that God gets the credit, it's not about pats on the back, but so that God gets the credit, as you actually increase in your faith, you're going to increase hope, you're going to increase joy, and you're going to increase love. So we just came out of our Advent series where we talked about those things. And now we sort of look at this hinge points of the years and we go, okay, man, here's the deal. We need to follow him closely and move after him. And it increases faith, hope, um, love, and joy. So let me give you a little context on how you can do that. So you're not scratching your head and wondering. Um, and it'll come out of scriptures even more. Um, imitate Jesus uh, with the body of Christ. That's the, the church that draws people to the kingdom of God. 
So if you want to follow Jesus closely, if you want to know how you're doing that, then um, imitate Jesus, right? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus say? And then do that with the body of Christ and other people. What is uh, A crowd gathers a crowd for what purpose? Well, in Christian and kingdom circles, to draw them to God, right? To help them to understand where we're headed and what we're doing. We don't create crowds for crowd's sakes. We, we draw people in so that they can come into the kingdom of God, which we know based on scripture dwells in the hearts and minds and souls of men, women, teenagers, and children. That's the kingdom of God. Yes, one day in Revelations it will literally be on earth, but for now it dwells probably in the place that's most intimate in you as a Christian, which is awesome. So I would encourage you in that context to do that. Remember, so what you're seeing is kind of together forever for the king of kings. You're just imitating Jesus. And, and isn't that one of the easiest ways? I mean, some of the easiest ways to have learned jobs that I've ever had is when I've gone in uh, and HR's just been like, do what that guy does. He's been cutting his teeth at this job forever. She's been cutting her teeth at this job forever. You just follow them. And if they don't do it, you don't do it. So that's kind of an apprenticeship, uh, what we call in scripture, even discipleship. If you've ever had a job and been trained, you've been discipled, just not spiritually, but in your life. If you've ever been shown how to do anything, you've been shown how to imitate something in order for the good of others and yourself. So I would encourage you um, in that way. Now, obviously, you can't imitate Jesus if you're not a Christian. There's just no chance. Now, I know that there are people who can, can do good deeds, but Scripture tells us that at best that's humanitarian, at worst it's self-gratification. If you truly want to imitate Jesus and you truly want to thank God, the, the first and, and important decision to make is to be saved by grace through faith. To put your entire trust, the, the only life, hear me on this, the only life worth living of any true lasting value is a godly Christ-like Bible as a foundation together life. That's the only life worth living. Now God's creative, so he's going to give you lots of avenues and venues to do that. You may not go into full-time ministry, you may go into full-time ministry, but, but how you do it as a Christian, as a disciple, that is the most valuable portion of life, and that can only happen if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It can only happen if you accept the free gift of grace. You know what I did not have to do any yesterday for Christmas? Force my kids to take their gifts. You know what I had to actually do? Create barriers of torture and pain so they wouldn't just dive right in and just shred everything all at once. Because we had to draw it out, make some videos, send it to the family. You know, we're trying to FaceTime and the kids are like, Duh! you know, just out of their minds excited. And when you think about salvation, imitating Christ, that we might have that innocence and zeal that we live each day. Does Christ ever tell you to tame that down because you're older and more mature? No. So what do we do? My wife and I, we sat down on the floor with the kids and got crazy over Christmas. We ate too much simple sugars, not enough healthy stuff, and just went at it. And it was awesome. It was awesome. My intestines, not so much, but everything else, yes. So when you're talking about imitating Jesus, I really want you to understand and, and grab on that's the kind of zeal we're talking about. That's the importance of salvation, to accept that free gift of grace and forgiveness for your sins, to confess Jesus as Lord, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and through no work of your own be saved. And then just be unleashed on the world. Like I've seen, well, we, we were out on the beach yesterday on Christmas and um, there, there were a bunch of dogs with no leash. And you want to see a happy dog? Put them on the beach with no leash. And it's prancing, dancing, eating things they shouldn't time. 
So maybe, might we just, as we look back on the last year and hope that we're not in the same place we were last New Year's Eve, but might we look into this next year and go, man, what's this going to be to unleash Christ out where I am in a way that's, that's honoring and fulfilling? So would encourage you in that way. All right, let's look at the scriptures. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 12 is where we're going to start. We're just going to kind of work um, our way uh, through this as we begin to unpack this. So uh, verse uh, 12 of First Thessalonians. Obviously, this is Paul writing to those who live in Thessalonica. So uh, let's read this together in our scripture. So we, we is um, Paul, all the disciples, Christians, people, those who came around to help plant the church in Thessalonica. We exhorted um, each one of you, encouraged you, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God because you can walk in an unworthy manner. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's just stop right there. So what we see here in verse 12 is we see that he's like, look, we're exhorting you, which is sort of a teaching and raising up. Like, look, this is how you do this right and do this well. Then in this verse, um, we're encouraging you um, to do this. Like, you can do this. Don't give up. Don't give in. You can serve Christ. You can follow the Holy Spirit. You can pursue all that he has for you and never give up or, or never give in, but follow Christ in and through in the way in which he goes. Uh, but then we charged you to walk in a manner um, worthy of God, right? So that charging is like um, when your parents begin to give you more independence as a teenager. And um, you might physically have it, but you can tell by the look in your mom's eyes that if you do anything bad out there, then she's going to come get you. And she's charging you. You better be good. Because if I hear anything else, don't come home. <laughs> Stay away. Changing the locks. So you're getting this, all of this exhorting. You're like, look, I'm exhorting you. I'm charging you. Like, oh man, all these works, all these works. But, but the goal is there in the highlightable portion of the last of that verse 12. What is, what is the goal? A manner worthy of God as he calls you to his own kingdom and his own glory. So they're encouraging each other. But what's the standard? God's the standard. That's what you're looking to to do that. Is this a manner that God would say is worthy? And then I know that he's calling me to his kingdom and he's calling me to his glory, which his glory is giving praise and credit um, to God by the way in which I live. So God's like, look, look, look. I want you to live in, in, in such a way that's worthy. So, so we're going to get cut up on the, the exhorting and the encouraging. But when you're thinking about thinking God, then what are you going to do? It's his way. And it's a manner that's worthy of God. What does the Bible say is a way to live as a Christian? Then you're responding to his call in your life. You're not pushing it to side or anything like that. And you're saying, look, I'm going into his kingdom, God's kingdom, which obviously dwells in us, is in the hearts of mine. So that's salvation. And then glory is like uh, holiness, um, sanctification. It's, it's living for him more and more and more completely. You should be more like Jesus now, this day, than you were this time last year. Because you're walking a little closer in some areas. And I'm not talking, well... I won't say that. I don't want to distract with that. But in a manner that's worthy of God. And let me tell you uh, just a few things here real quickly. Why this is so important. Why this is so important. Now you guys all know the stat that, that um, most people are engaged in relationship or come together or ever respond to any invitation when it's given person to person, right? 98% of people who say yes to something is because they were actually asked by someone that they know. So when it comes to living in a manner that's worthy, they're, they're, you have such a huge role to play. Like this year, we've seen salvations and baptisms that took place within our church. We went out there. The water was a bit chilly, which I kind of love because it literally burns in their memory forever. 
that they were baptized. They will never forget when that wave just devoured them and they screamed to the Lord in joyful pain because it was chilly. So you've got all of this wrapped up and, and how does that happen? When you have a loving church that's inviting, engaging people. Right? So the salvations, um, all the baptisms that we've had this year, people striving to live in a manner that's worthy of God. All, remember we did that huge campaign where, where, where God just laid on our hearts, we did it together, and we got all those bottles of water together for the school system, for Surf City School System, and just got those out there and gave them to those. Those are people coming together. We have I've had people in this church who have lived in a manner that's worthy of God so well that they've been able to help other people get jobs when they've needed them, Amen. which is pretty awesome. Right? Pretty awesome. So all of that kind of working together to help them. And, and that continues to grow and take place. We, we as a church, we were able to, um, because God gave us such resources, we, we were able to, and out of your faithfulness, to actually help another church upgrade their sound and video system. So they reached out to us and we were able to be like, look, they're like, hey, we got needs. We're like, look, we can help meet that need. So we gave them sound stuff. We gave them video stuff. We, you know, we gave them people to help them set that up. And to make sure that that happens. Because of people walking in a manner that is worthy of God responding to the call of God. It's not a pat on the back moment. It's the fruit of faithfulness. And there is a huge difference. And I really, really want you to hear it. It's always a tension I have with this message. We're like, oh, look how great we are. Now, I want to celebrate how the the Lord has given us resources um, to steward. How he can help us to, to work in that way. We've, we, we've supported um, local and global missions. We've helped families in need. We've loved our neighbors as ourselves. We've heard of people that needed food. So do we do. Food. Right? And if there's one thing you guys could do well, food. I don't know where you find it. Like last Thursday when we um, kind of did our Thursday night Bible Sunday Christmas party, which much to my joy, we had to create our own dessert table because you guys brought so much without me asking. And it was glorious. And I started eating there first. Right? And then we had all this. So it's just, when you're talking about walking in a manner that's worthy and bringing God praise and credit, man, I was so pumped. Because there was a few of us that, that had the core deal. And it was, it was awesome. And the food was also good. But then everybody just brought other stuff without asking. Just because... Um, they, they just love what's going on and love what's happening. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And I know you guys are even doing that at homes. There's more stores. You're inviting people over for dinner. You're, you're, you run Bible studies and facilitate Bible studies out of your home that aren't even connected to our church. But you're doing that in order to serve the kingdom. That's the kind of stuff that's awesome. That's living in a manner that's worthy of God and, and the calling that he has and how, he's, how he does that. So not just supporting, but, but giving all that you have there. You know, we're, um, we're able to continually, um, we've, we've got all these uh, you know, just like, um, we just have a resource of like music books that we still have. And we were able to help another church again this year to take those and they use those for their Christmas thing, cantata or program. It has a really good name, but that's what they use it for. So they come and they loan it and they use it and then they return it. And then so far so good. It's been great, right? Just taking the resources that we have. We didn't run out by it. We we're just like, how are we good stewards? How can we live in a manner, right? Didn't charge them for anything. Didn't ask them for anything. We're just so glad they were able to use them, right? To be able to do this. And it's what God does. He's like, here, the people need help. Let's serve them in a way that we can out of our abundance. Um, we were able to, um, through a partnership uh, with the gathering, we were able to give a car away to somebody who needed one. So somebody came to us and was like, look, we, I, I need a car. And immediately I'm like, suspect. 
you come and ask me for something from the church and we're going to go through a little process. Uh, but they need it for a job. And I was like, all right, where's the job? Where's the deal? Boom. And that's what they use it for. To get a job, to be able to find a home, to be able to do that. And just through partnerships with the other churches, those go to the family nights. Those don't happen by themselves out there on the property. It takes um, all kinds of people. Uh, the gathering, us, just different churches coming together, people loaning us stuff. Some churches don't send people, but they send like snow cones and ice cream machines and stuff like that. So, well, not ice cream machines, because you're like, where was that? Well, that wasn't there, but snow cone machines, cotton candy machines right? All of that. Those things kind of coming together uh, to use that with, with other churches and being, being a partnership, right? To, to have a relationship with people and go, hey, how can you get involved? To, to invite people who don't love Jesus, but they love to watch their kids um, get full of cotton candy, bounce on the bouncy house, come off and throw up in the grass. So how do you give them opportunities to do that? We will help you do that. Better fertilizer, yay, amen right? So you, you engage all of that stuff. You strengthen the body of churches in the community through relationships, hanging out with other pastors. Um, we've even hosted here uh, multi-church Bible studies that have nothing to do with our church. But we're like, look, our building's open. Would you like to use it to have your Bible study? And they're like, yeah, cool. So we have Bible studies here that, that we're not even over, that we're not facilitating, just, just other people are. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible when you exhort, encourage, and do it for God's glory and for his kingdom, which is what it's all about. Giving people a chance and an opportunity. And the list could go on and on and on. And if you guys shared, it would go on and on and on about all the ways that God engaged. And I just wanted to just give you a, a couple things of what it means and, and really to wrap your mind around living a manner that's worthy of what God, and that's why we do it, to give him praise and credit. And people are like, why are you doing these things? Why would you do this? This really is free and it's not going to cost me anything. Why would you engage in that way? It's like, because we love Jesus, because he loves you, and he died for your sins. I literally say that as you hand the keys over to someone. Literally say that as you bring food. You know who's giving you this food? Jesus is giving you this food. Why is he giving this food? Because you're a big old sinner, and you need it. <laughs> you know, and you just tell them. And they're like, you're Nathan from Chapel Bay, aren't you? Yes, I am. Here it is. I just ran into someone the other day. Ah, oh, I can't tell that story. I don't have time. But it was great. They, they were talking about our church, and they didn't know who I was. And so I was just like, oh, really? Ah, oh, I can't. I don't have time. Uh, time. But I, I just, I'm trying to help you to understand the, the, the zeal and the joy of what it is to live for God, right? That's the goal. The goal wasn't like, here's what we're going to do this year and we have to do it. God's like, I'm just going to keep giving you stuff and you just see if you can be faithful for it. So, you faithful one car? I don't know. Maybe God will give us 10 more cars to give away next year. Maybe he won't. Maybe God will be like, you know what? You had two or three good family nights? Guess what? We're going to crank that sucker up a notch. See, we're going to add some more gospel presentation into those things and continue to create places for people to find Jesus Christ because that's the goal. The goal isn't to, to perfect the works. The goal is to, in faith and deeds, live and serve him. So look at the next verse. I can already see where this is going. All right, verse 13. Uh, so living in the manner, that's the charge. That's the deal. Verse 13. And we also thank God. So God is the focus of all of this right now. We also thank God constantly for this. For when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So right? So you can look at it narcissistically and go, wow, look at all this stuff that's you, 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 and me, me, me in it. But no, what's doing all the good work? God's word is in the lives of people. That's the focus. That's why they're saying, man, this is so great and so praiseworthy. And that's why we just focus on what's most important. I mean, you highlight it. We're thinking who? God, not you. Which is kind of a backwards compliment. Like, hey, I'm writing a note to encourage you, but you actually have nothing to do with it other than you're willing. Thank God, not thank you. 
which is cool. Now, you receive the word, but what is it? The word did the work in the hearts of people. And they didn't accept it as the word of man. But they believed what it really is. The word of God which is at work in you believers. Which is, that's what it's like. Not only do you receive God's word which is from him. But you allow God's word. Uh, well, you're working with God and his word in it. So that it then comes out. So now he's saying, look at this. You're doing it. Now, they're not always at synagogue. They're not always having temple worship. They're not always gathered around the table having communion like Acts 2.42. They're working in the marketplace. They're rescuing babies that have been thrown on the dung heap because moms didn't want them in the first century. They're creating hospitals for people to have their wounds mended because no one's going to care for them in the Roman Empire. So they're doing all of this stuff for the glory of God because what's at work in them? Their desire and their will to be good? No, their desire and their will to fulfill God's word, it's work in them as what? As believers, not as good people. As believers, not as Pharisees or zealots or Essenes or, or people who are just trying to earn their way into heaven. But the work of God is at work in them. And they received it, not as man. Verse 14. For you brothers became, this is a huge part here. You brothers became imitators of the churches of God and Jesus Christ that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen, those in the area of Thessalonica, as they did from the Jews. So he takes us and goes, what, what did they do? They imitated Christ as they saw him and as they knew him. And they, they didn't have the scriptures all fully yet. Because why? They're living it. So their imitation is what? Of that of the churches of God. Now, this is a little harder for us. Because what we do is we look at that and go, what's this church down the road doing? That's the church of God. What's that church doing down there that they're crashing and burning on? Stay away from that. Right? I mean, I walk with pastors and talk with pastors in this area all the time. And it always gets around that. And they're like, Nathan, what are you doing? What's going, what's, you know, and, I'll, and I just give them crazy answers all the time. And they're like, look, here's the deal. But when you're in the first century and you're saying being imitators of the churches of God, here's how they hear that. Be imitators of the other Christians, your brothers and sisters, which is the beginning of the first word, that you see living their life out in Jerusalem, in Philippi, in Laodicea, in Ephesus. The churches haven't been established like we established them there with non-denominational or denominational lines. When you say the church of God, you're saying the body of Christ all over the known world. And they're like, you just do what another mature Christian's doing. You follow them. And what are they doing? They're imitating Jesus Christ in Judea. So now you do it too for all the Gentiles. Which I think is awesome because then it starts bringing the focus from what? To Christ. So they're much more free in their worship. They're much more free in their life. They're like, we don't have to do it a set certain way other than the way that Christ leads us. And we understand our culture. We understand where we are. And I love that point where it says their own countrymen um, has said these things to us. I mean, I, uh, uh, earlier in this week, I got into the Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas debate. It was very passive, very aggressive. So they were like, hey, thanks so much for shopping. Glad you're here. And I was like, hey, Merry Christmas. And they're like, hey, Happy Holidays. And I'm like, hey, it's on. So I was like, Merry Christmas. And they were like, Happy Holidays. And I was like, Merry Christmas. And they were like, Happy Holidays. And then it was like the Old West. I'm like, where are my six shooters? Do I have spurs on? Where's the music? And I was just like... We're just going to keep going out of this. So then I just was like, you know what? It's just time to drop the mic and walk away like a boss. Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. Boom. And then I just walked away. Because I've been on forever, right? It's your own countrymen. Your own surf cityites may come against you. And if they do, 
And they might. And some will. You still stand for Christ. See, this isn't, this doesn't have to be overly complicated. I didn't rip open the scriptures and go, Bible study on the eschatology of Jesus Christ. I was like, look, Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. Happy holidays. And you're like, but hey, what's wrong with happy holidays? Look, I could discern that they were, not, you know, that they just weren't, it wasn't the same Merry Christmas. It was something different. You discern that. Other people say it. I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. But this, it was different. So when they talk about this, this imitation, why are we called to imitate God's churches in Christ Jesus? That's the calling, right? Not to replicate what everybody else is doing, not to reinvent the wheel, but to do something in such a way that there are good traditions and, and good things, trends that are out there. Why are we called to imitate God's churches in Christ Jesus? So that we'll remember that it's God's will and Jesus' example is the only way. That's why that's tucked in there. There are many reasons, but this one I want to highlight. When it says the churches of God in Christ, it immediately takes away the bureaucracy, but also restricts the freedom into the guidelines of grace and what scripture has to say. It says, you live as brothers, which I love that, right? Bringing in the authority of the family. You live as brothers and sisters, and you do this as the churches of God that are in Christ Jesus. Would Jesus do what you're about to do? Would Jesus say what you're about to say? Would Jesus think what you're about to think? And you just imitate and you just do that. It's mimicry. It's where we get our English word um, for mimicry from that Greek uh, word there. Uh, but it also just connects directly to discipleship, right? The worst thing you could do as a, as a disciple, well, one of the worst things you could do as a disciple in the days of Jesus was to not follow your rabbi and do what he teaches you and to speak out of turn or against what he has to say. And it's the same for us, for our rabbi, for Jesus, that we would follow him in such a way um, that brings that um, to him. And I would say this to you, why we're called to imitate um, God's churches in this. Um, it's not our way to his narrow way. It's his way to his narrow way. Does that make sense? That's the goal. That's the point. That's the push. It's not about we're going to find our way to Jesus' narrow way, but instead we are going to follow his way to his narrow way. And I would encourage you in the midst of that, right? So you've got verses like that, the blind leading the blind and all of that, um, that takes place. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. We're going to do these uh, together for the, for the sake of time and clarity. Um, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming, right? That's what Advent is. Advent is the arrival and the return of Jesus Christ. So now we're going to talk about when Advent's fulfilled and Jesus returns, what's going to be your hope, your joy? Maybe some of you know of those other crowns. I think there are like five or seven I mentioned in scripture. This is the crown of boasting. Before our Lord Jesus at his coming, is it not you? Verse 20, for you are our glory and joy. And here's what I love about all of that. When, when, when Paul is, is ushering into eternity and, and God's leading him into that, and he's got all this life that he lived, what's the thing that he's going to boast about the most? The people that, he, that was, Jesus was shared with. He's not going to talk about surviving the shipwrecks, the snake that bit him and he didn't die. All the failed assassination attempts on his life when he was stoned, murdered, and even dropped out of baskets out windows. He's going to say, this in this life is what is most important. Did Jesus come and die so that you would have tax relief? Did Jesus come and die so that you would have all of these things? No, Jesus came and died for you. Not your stuff. And really not even to give you stuff, though he is abundant and he does. 
So I just think it's a fascinating thing as, as Paul's looking to the future and goes, when Jesus returned and I'm raptured and I'm caught up into that sky because the dead will rise first, this is going to be my hope. This is going to be my joy. This is going to be my faith. It's going to be my glory. This is what I'm going to boast about before Jesus Christ. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Paul? He goes, yes. I would claim the saving grace that God did in the lives of people that we got to solve. So really, in the midst of this 20, it is even what he did. He's boasting um, for the fact that he was just faithful and God's word worked and moved in the lives of so many other people. And I would encourage you to just think on that. Because where does true joy and lasting hope originate? It originates at Jesus at work in and through Holy Spirit filled people. This is, verse 20 is something you should highlight and underline. If you don't feel like you have permission to do it, I'll give that to you. To highlight and under this because this is what's important. This is what's going to matter in the end of days. And in the end of your days. That you might before Christ say, is not our hope and is not our joy, our crown of boasting, going to be at Jesus' coming all those others who have been saved. Who do we look for and yearn for? In all the funerals that I've ever done, there's always this encouragement and call to accept Jesus so that they might one day what? See their loved one in heaven again. That's the deal. It's one of the ways I try to teach my kids a little bit about death. Hey, one day, daddy's gonna die before you guys do. But I'll be waiting for you in heaven, hoping of all hopes, joy of all joys that when those pearly gates open I will look and I will see you run right by me to Jesus and I'll be okay with that right and probably lead you there hey come on kids let's go and it's my hope for you and it's hope for the world so when you think about this and you think about these things this is this is what's important for people to be saved and for people to live like Christ, to make more mature disciples of Jesus. So um, we know that we exist to bring God glory and make disciples. If you ever ask the question, why am I here? And you read the Bible, that's what's gonna come out. God created you to bring him glory and to make other disciples. I can give you scripture references on that, but that's the truth. That's why you're here. Because what do you do the other thing? I made you to not bring me glory and to not make disciples. Nope. He didn't even make the devil for that. The devil worshipped him and then turned on him. So here, let's talk about this. Let's talk about your worship. Um, talk about your worship. So based on this message, what can you do to become more like Jesus? Because that's the goal, right? Live a man worthy. I would say this. Answer God's call. What? Answer his call. He is calling you to his kingdom and his glory. We just read that in scripture. And he's asking, and you should ask and serve him to find out what that looks like for you. God is calling each one of you to his kingdom, to live and to serve and to bring him praise and credit. And my, my response to you would be to answer that calling. In the church, we have that phrasing. What's your calling? And to respond to it, never let go and never give up of that. It's so purifying. When it comes to community, what should we do? We talked to, I mentioned this a little bit, but we should make sure that the word is heard. That's verse 13. Make sure that the word is heard. Think God consistently for the work he has done in and through you. And there are a lot of ways to make people hear things. My encouragement to you is make sure that they're hearing that. Because what is it that transformed people? The word of God, Jesus Christ in people. That's what it is. And Paul says, no matter what great thing even God does through you, it's still him doing all the good work. 
So just get the word in people's faces. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Jesus loves you. Get it out there so it can do the work. That's what changes the hearts and minds of men, the Holy Spirit. So just give people and the community that opportunity. And there are lots of creative ways to do it, not just verbally, but in service too, which we'll talk about here. How can you serve others? Don't hesitate to imitate Christ. You're gonna have to wash feet, sometimes literally, but it's a great example. Wash feet, endure graciously the hardships of faith for God's glory and the good of others. So you're going to have to wash feet and be a servant. It's a reference to what Jesus did in the Gospels where he washed the feet of those. It was the low, one of the lowliest jobs you could have in all of first century was to be a foot washer. Because, well, here's how you can understand it the best. Did they have public sewer systems in that day? No. So that stuff all went somewhere. And most of them wore open-toed sandals like we do here. Not even Crocs. You know Crocs. It's had sandals. So when they say wash feet, endure graciously for the hardship of faith um, so that God's glory and others, uh, for others' good, man, that's a mentality. Don't hesitate uh, to imitate Christ. That's for sure. And then finally, multiplication. Like, how do we multiply this message and this one thing into others? Um, hope, boast, and have joy in Jesus. It's about redemption and transformation that Jesus brings in and through the relationship we have with him together. Now, in scriptures, we know that said you are saved by grace through faith, through no works of your own, so that no one can boast, right? We know that. So now you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to boast? That's a salvation issue. It's all on Jesus. No credit of your own. God does it, faith alone, by, through grace, by grace. But when you're saved and you're living for Christ, then you start to explain that out to others. That's what the boasting is. That's what it says here. When I'm before Jesus and they're like, what's your reason for boasting? I'm going to boast in the fact that God saved all these people and they lived for him. Just these nations of people. I don't know if it's going to be the largest like conga line of high fives you could ever dream of. And you're like, yeah, you made it. Like, you know, you do at the end of t-ball games or baseball games. Good game, good game, good game. You know what? But instead of just be like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He saved your soul. And none of us were worthy of that. So take the hope, take the joy, take the boasting um, out to others and through relationships, um, share that with others so that they might know and that they might be able to experience that. So here's what